Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to Episode 8, One of Us Has to Go. This week, we're discussing Season 1, Episode 7 of Doctor Who, The Long Game, and Season 1, Episode 7 of Buffy, Angel. As always, we suggest that you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. So we're starting with Doctor Who this week, The Long Game, and um, I want to start out actually not talking about Doctor Who. I want to talk about, well, it's about Doctor Who insofar as um, there's really quite a few allusions, it seems, um, or at least ones that I picked up. Maybe there always are, and I just haven't been noticing them. Um, But this one um, obviously is a very sort of dystopian feel to it. and and I'm actually taking a class on dystopian literature uh, at Mythgard with Dr. Amy Sturgis, and and so just seemed like there was a great uh, number of illusions here that that I picked up on. One of them um, is actually because I'm reading 1984 right now while I'm watching this episode, uh, just sort of struck struck out at me as the whole idea of controlling the information and 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 you know, having that top down sort of like feeding you what this information is. Nobody really seems to know really what's going on. Just like in 1984, there's, there's, they don't even know who's at war with who at any particular time. Like one week it's, it's one group and the next week it's the next group who's at war with each other. And, and you never really know who the true enemies are. Like it's, it's the same thing here nobody seems to really know what's going on. They just know what they're being told. But like, um, there's that whole scene with Kathika where, where the doctor's like trying to ask her questions about like, well, who, who's attacking us? Who's, you know, who's the aliens that we're supposed to be afraid of at this particular moment in time. And she's like, well, I I don't know, (laughs) like just them. And, and, you know, there's bad stuff happening somewhere out there that we need to protect ourselves from like this whole isolationist, uh, uh, thing that they have and, and xenophobic uh, yeah. thing going on. So, it, 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 and, you know, and there's big brother too, with the kind of surveillance cameras and that, yeah. Oh yeah. That that's monitoring everything that's going on. Surveillance everywhere, instant access the the telescreens where they can, you know, both hear what you're saying at any particular time, but also, you know, command you mm-hmm. <laughs> to do certain things. Um, so yeah, all of these. And then, yeah, I guess here we know that Big Brother does exist. His name is the editor in chief. I was going <laughs> to say he's he's Simon Pegg. <laughs> well, no, but the alien. Yeah, right, right. Because he's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. He's only middle management. He's not upper right. management. Yeah, he's he's just the editor. He's the I don't know what's the publishing editor. Sure. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so 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 there was that illusion to the 1984 stuff, which which I mean I think that would be even clear if I wasn't reading the book. So, I mean, I think that comes through pretty, pretty intentionally and, and, and very, uh, distinctly. The, um, other one that I had a a pretty strong, uh, feeling for is Logan's run, which, uh, for anyone who doesn't know was a mid seventies. I, um, just looked it up here. I think it was 1976, uh, movie based on an earlier novel, um, that that came out and and the part in particular that of this episode that reminded me of that is is the idea of 
the promotion, getting promoted and going up to the 500th floor. And then when you get up there, you find it's this like icy wasteland of dead people. <laughs> and, and for anyone, and I'm laughing at that because apparently an icy wasteland of dead people is humorous, <laughs> but the, uh, the whole concept of Logan's run is that, um, it's this like domed post post-apocalyptic society, um, sort of a utopian society, which of course ends up not being so utopian because they're they're told that on their thirtieth birthday they they're going to be renewed and rejuvenated and you know become young again, which is turns out to just be a euphemism for we're going to kill you and and you're not going to live anymore. So, which uh, basically what happens is Logan, the the main character, the uh, and 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 his friend, uh, I forget her name. Anyway, they they go off and they have like not it's like Logan. I think Logan Five is is the main character's name, and and they sort he sort of finds out what's going on and and they try to escape and there's this whole scene where as they're trying to escape they kind of go up through this area and find all of these frozen bodies similar to uh, the characters in this episode of of Doctor Who. So that there was that whole idea of the euphemistic promise of, you know, going to floor 500 where the walls are paved, paved with gold, gold. <laughs> you know? Um, and, and the, uh, the, the, the idea that once you get up there, obviously there's, there's a little more than that going on. And it's, it's not a promotion. It's in fact, not even a demotion. It's you're getting killed Execution, and your bodies are yeah. being used. Uh, yeah nefariously yeah um, and then you actually brought up as we were talking about what we were going to talk about this episode and another illusion so i'll kick it over to you real quick to tell me that one yeah the last one is a movie that i don't know too well i've only seen it once before um but uh the director of this episode actually in the commentary admitted his own plagiarism and said that from his own point of view uh Blade Runner was a big uh, inspiration for the marketplace scene, just sort of mm. the production design aspect, I think. So okay. I haven't, uh, again, I, that's not a movie I know well enough, and I haven't given enough thought to see what other dystopian elements might have been culled from that story into this yeah. one. Um, there might be a few, but uh, that might be a fruitful line of thoughts just because obviously with Logan's run in 1984 the dystopian tradition is a big influence. So, right. you know, for anybody who did know Blade Runner, I suspect that, you know, there may be some other parallels there. Um, but just wanted to at least mention that since the director himself said that he flat out <laughs> stole that scene from Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I mean, I think just the dystopian feel of it obviously there's yeah. there's a lot thematically and stuff there but yeah that i, I and, and i don't using, know and using those visual markers to put you in that so even maybe the marketplace scene nothing super significant happens i don't know that it means anything that that scene looks like it doesn't blade runner but just that if it makes you think of blade runner from the visual mm -hmm. cues then almost subliminally you're thinking about dystopia yeah, as well, a no, concept, I think, you know, I think that's puts right. You in that and frame I, of mind. Right, right. No, I think that's right, and and I think that um, well, Blade Runner is an iconic movie yeah. just in and of itself. I mean, as far as science fiction and stuff goes. So, and and I'm sure that 
it's one of those things that's just sort of come into the consciousness of mm-hmm. <laughs> of visual yeah. uh, media like like this that you know even if even if um it wasn't intentional which we're being told it is it still could have easily you know been been something that uh that we would have recognized and immediately cuz even the doctor um right at the beginning he's like oh you know he's describing what they should expect to find <laughs> in this area and then uh is it Adam who I think is, this is where we get Adam's one good question that he asked the entire episode, <laughs> you know, ask something I think about the food or something. It was beginner's like, luck. He blows yeah, it early. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and, and the doctor's like, well, actually that's a good question. You know, like, you know, there is something wrong going on here. And so I think we're meant to think that as well, like just through that visual effect of it. Yeah. Even though we don't know anything about it. Um, right, right up right. front, like we're kind of supposed to be given that clue of wait, we're how many years in the future, and yet they're selling burgers and yeah. whatever. Like, why hasn't you know and meat slurpees and meat slurpees <laughs> and um, um, and that there's no aliens. That's the other big clue. And no where aliens. are all the where, aliens? Where are all the aliens? Is that the question he asked? Um, I can't, I, remember, I can't what, remember either. I can't remember what the question is that Adam asked. I know that's one of the and, doctors. The big clues, I think, to the doctor are the um, the stunted sort of progress, as he calls it, right. and then the other being that there are no aliens, and we're in year what two hundred thousand or something. So right, exactly, and, and, we, should, and so, we should we should be seeing a more diverse populace. And and I think that just from a dystopian sort of perspective, I mean that's that's what we get is common about sort of these dystopias is that things aren't progressing in, yeah. insofar as there is such a thing as human progression yeah. <laughs> you know like things and, aren't progressing like they should be people aren't getting better things are either are at best stagnating yeah and and at worst you know not you know we're actually falling behind as far as the quality of life that people are living and and that sort of thing so i think yeah um, um i think that's where we're meant to start out and but, that and that um that it takes the doctor to come in and tell you that that because I think we are in the position of Rose who doesn't know what's going on and <laughs> yeah. she doesn't know what the two year two hundred thousand should look like and neither do we right. so it's the doctor who says something's weird and we're like really it all looks weird to us and right. and even to the people inside that world they don't realize. That it's no. weird. They don't realize well, that something is that yeah. they're obviously completely oblivious to the fact. So it takes the doctor coming in to tell them and us that wait a minute, this isn't where the way things should be. Right. Well, and yeah, and so obviously, clearly, we've moved right into our next topic here because that's that's the big theme of the episode, right? It's it's asking the right questions. Mm-hmm. It's it's being critical about the movie, the movies, the media and, and, and the information that, yeah, I know we're, we're talking about all these different movies, movies too. Yeah. <laughs> movies as well. But, um, the entertainment, not just the entertainment, but the news that you're being given and, and, and thinking about it in a way that isn't just, you know, taking what's fed to you and and accepting it yeah. <laughs> at face value, but but actually being critical and, and asking the right questions. And and we get those, we get that in our time. We get it, you know, again with Adam 
the doctor's like, actually, that is a good question. Mm-hmm. But Adam just kind of leaves it and is like, oh, oh, there's no aliens here or whatever his question is, you know, and, and just kind of move on. And and he goes from there to the questions that he asks are are he's seeking to be force fed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he he's seeking to just have the doctor tell him everything. And the doctor says, no, go, go out, go experience, well, make I, mistakes. I want to and... read this quote because this yes. is one of my favorite quotes ever. This is so brilliant. So this is the doctor's philosophy of travel in a nutshell. So time travel is like visiting Paris. You can't just read the guidebook. You've got to throw yourself in, eat the food, use the wrong verbs, get charged double, and end up kissing complete strangers. Or is that just me? Stop asking questions. <laughs> Go and do it. So I think when he says stop asking questions there, he doesn't mean the kind of critical, you know, government big, big questions. He means stop asking me what the Slurpee tastes like and just freaking taste the thing, you know, find out if you like it, that this is what the travel is all about, that it's about those, because all of Adam's questions after that first one, they're not, they're not the right kind of questions. They're the kind of questions like, well, how do I use the money? You know, or well, go or, find out. Yeah. Exactly. You like go try to use it, and if you do, do it what wrong, everyone else does, it's someone to tell you. exactly. <laughs> so his questions are sort of self-centered and superficial. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's right, and I think that. So we've got you've got Adam on the one hand, but then you you have the comparison of. Well, then you got like Kathika, right. who just simply doesn't ask questions. Who's at a all. journalist who doesn't ask questions? And she's questions. like, she doesn't even want to ask yeah. questions. She's like, don't even involve me yeah. in any of this. Like, I don't, I don't want to know. I will presume to know and pretend to know, but well, she's I a journalist. Don't... She's getting paid to know and to ask. That's her job is to ask questions and to be critical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and so, well, presumably, and that's. You know, I think that's one of the big questions, per se, of, of the episode is is how much of that is actually happening. And, and not just in, in Doctor Who land, in the Hooniverse, yeah. but in, 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 you know, our life yeah. and, and times today. Like, is, you know, ha- one of the big questions with, you know, like cable news and, and you can pick your, your version of cable news or whatever your, that you prefer. You can prefer. pick your slant of choice. Um <laughs> You know, is there, are those questions being asked or yeah. has it become entertainment yeah. more than anything? And, and, and reaffirmation of what you already believe, because clearly yeah. Kathika believes certain things about aliens and wars and stuff, or at least she seems to believe that she believes certain things about them. But when pressed, she doesn't have any actual information. Yeah. She doesn't have any actual, even any actual real opinion on it other than what she's been told to have Mm -hmm. and i found it really uh interesting of the metaphor of the chip that's in their head that their brain completely shuts down when they're getting this information being fed through them like it's it's, learning is a passive experience not something that they actively (laughs) yeah well and they're not even learning because he says they forget it when it happens like it they're they have all of this information passing right through their noggin and it completely leaves no mark, no, no, uh, lasting effect on them. Yeah. And, and so like that on, on the sort of metaphorical level to me, that was just brilliant. I thought, because it, you, you know, you just get this image of people 
sitting in their homes and, and there are people who still just, you know, sit there and watch sort of the evening news or whatever, but then they get up and I don't know, do whatever, you know, go for their evening walk Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, or they get, you know, the tweets or on Facebook or whatever, you know, whatever form people get their news in, maybe they'll retweet it, maybe they'll share it, but does it have any lasting effect on, on what they do and, and, you know, what they're, the way they actual th- actually think, and are they are they even asking questions about it, or do they end up just getting in sort of these roundabout continuous discussions how, on the social how, media sites? And how reliable <laughs> is the news anyway? Well, and yeah, I mean, there and there's all of that too. So it's yeah, yeah. Well, it's that it's that brand of dy- I mean, dystopia really is about now. Right? Dystopia is always about now. So 1984 is about 1948. It's about what was going on (laughs) in the world at the time. You know, so I think it, that's what good dystopia does is tap into what are the fears and the slants and the sort of whatever is off kilter and unhealthy about the society that we live in and explore it in this kind of under the guise of futuristic sci-fi, but no, it's really about today. Um, right. You know, as, as the writer sees it and everything. Um, oh yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think that's pretty much what, and, and so we're talking about, so this is 2005, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. When this was made. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're talking just very shortly after Iraq war yeah. began yeah. And, and all of that. So, I mean, we're, you know, we're talking in the middle of, of, Bush too, and we're talking, you know, from from the, um, uh, you know, the 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 whole weapons of mass destruction that turned out not to be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in existence that that we learn later. Yeah. So yeah, no, this is this is right there and and right with all of that and 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 the idea that it really doesn't matter the ideological perspective you come at it from because there there really is a um, lack of critical thinking sometimes just yeah. in the media in in the people who listen to the media and and from every angle they're just you know where are the people who are asking the right questions so yeah coming back down from the metaphorical level let's talk about the characters though because this yeah. is we get some great stuff i think um as you were pointing out kind of about rose mm-hmm. And and the comparison of Rose to these other characters and, and why she makes a good companion. And and part of it right. is because of this facility of questioning things. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor says <laughs> right off the bat. She's asking the right questions. She yeah. not right off the bat, but right um about the temperature, right? She's the one asking why is it always so warm and yeah. and, and, yeah. and not not just leaving it at that. Not not it's not like a passing curiosity, but, but an actual in-depth, like, mm-hmm. let's figure this out. Like this right. is, it's not a, this... it's that someone could notice, Oh, it's warm in here. Let's get out of here. It's not a complaint or a yeah. statement of, or it's warm fact. in here and then just keep going. Yeah, No, it's, like... it's gosh, it, it's really warm in here. I wonder why. Yeah. You know, and is there what something does that we mean? Can do about yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, right. Cause he's, I mean, yeah, there's so many definitive statements and, in this, I mean, this episode is really, if it's about anything other than this sort of dystopian 
critique of the media and, and technology and everything. It's about what makes an ideal companion. And, you know, I think last time, you know, one of the things that we had talked about was them, you know, contrasting the doctor to the other characters around him. So by exploring mm. his similarities or dissimilarities with the Dalek and with Adam and with Van Staten, we're learning a little bit more about the doctor. Whereas this time, I think, you know, contrasting Rose to Adam and Kathika shows what makes her the best, as the doctor calls it, you know, and like yeah. in, in three distinct places, there's, you know, like you, like you said, there's that line about, he says, I give up on you, Kathika. Rose is asking the right kind of questions. Um, and then again, when Kathika abandons them and they go up to floor 500, he, he says, that's her gone. Adam's given up. Looks like it's just you and me. And they both say, good. Um, that's yeah. the way they like it. And then, and then again, when they kick him, you know, back into 2012 or wherever he's from, he says, I only take the best. I've got Rose. So hmm. in three distinct places, we have the doctor definitively saying, this is what makes, this is the kind of person I like to travel with. And I don't suffer any rivals. You know, if you're not going right. to be the best, then you can get out. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I think that's interesting because one, it brings up for me the question of how much did he sort of intuit that in in Rose's personality when he first meets her, mm -hmm. which, you know, again, going back to the first episode is is literally he meets her by accident. Sure, yeah. You know, she happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and he runs into her and is, they're like, what are you doing here? By the way, you should run away because I have a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> like... But there's something that makes him stop even at that point and ask her name. Yeah, so, sure. like, is is he, is it just, I, I mean, maybe it's not a conscious sort of thing, but is it something that he's recognizing in her, in her but even watch? But even but, then, there was the question about, is it students? These people dressing up and being stupid, it's got to be, like, she's, even then she was asking, not, yeah. not That's the true. right, I mean, it wasn't. She didn't know the right answer, but it was the right kind of question. And the fact that yeah. she had questions and mm -hmm. had that sense of curiosity, I think, yeah. was what well, stood and, out to him even then. And and there's also so there's also the idea that um, it's like it needs to be continual. Yeah. Like it's not just you know because again we we get the random good question from Adam right. at the beginning, yeah. but he doesn't continue with it yeah. and and you have to have this you you almost get the sense that had he you know he he might have been perfectly fine sure. but no his questions veer off into completely self-serving territory yeah. and 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 yeah they're, right they're either self-serving or they're they don't matter yeah <laughs> like they're just they're just not the sort of questions that the doctor's looking to answer yeah so i and it's funny, it's it is funny how quickly in the episode it becomes clear that Adam is not going to cut it. Like, it's before we yeah. even get to the title credits that he faints and Rose is like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> he said, Doctor says, yeah, uh, he's your boyfriend. That's your, that's and she your boyfriend, says, yeah. not anymore. <laughs> that, yeah. That's it. He lasted all of three minutes as boyfriend. You know, I was going to ask you about that because, I mean... I, they just met the guy. Well, right. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you, you know, like they're, they're, 
So uh, like now, he, I don't know. Uh, like I think I, they're being a little. It's kind of throwaway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think I think the doctor's teasing her, and I think she's kind of taking it in that spirit of, you know what? I thought he was going to be a cool guy, but he's not looking too good right now. So we're we're not meant to expect that like there's been weeks have gone by since the last episode or anything. I doubt where it. He doesn't. Had... I mean, maybe he doesn't seem like he's been traveling for weeks. No, it no. Seems it like he it seems pretty right immediate. Out. Yeah, but. That that just won the the whole he's your boyfriend yeah. kind of threw me off because it's like wait she literally just no, met the guy I and think, they sort of smiled at each other. <laughs> I think they're being a little facetious and they're being okay. kind of he's I think they're teasing each other a little bit. Um, and it also brings up the question of well where's Mickey and all this <laughs> again right? But I know Rose is stacking up the boyfriends. Yeah, uh, well, uh, good for her I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the. Uh, well, I get and, and and so speaking since we've gone back to kind of the beginning of the episode here, we we get the immediate uh, her coming out and getting fed information right. from the doctor, and it's interesting. I was trying to think about this because on the one hand, I mean, they both know the two of them know what's going on, but clearly Adam doesn't, mm-hmm. and he just comes out and takes what Rose says at face value, even though we know that Rose doesn't know any of this on her own. Yeah. Uh, this information that she's given him, Oh, you know, based on the architecture, it yeah. seems like we're in the year. Yeah. Whatever. And, and space station. Yeah, definitely a space station. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, listen, listen for the hum of the engines. Yeah. yeah it says space. Station. What? So like, we know that, but uh, of course it sets up the tone of the criticality factor again. Like yeah. he, he just, he just takes in, what she's giving him, right. which is coming from a different source. And, and she doesn't, I mean, and it's not, it's not important information by sure. any means. Yeah. It's just her trying to impress a guy yeah. you know, who doesn't deserve to be impressed. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, I don't know. I guess it, it, it was just interesting to me that, that um, it, it still doesn't feel the way obviously that that the rest of the information that's coming down from Mr. Editor in Chief mm-hmm. and and Simon Pegg <laughs> um, is it, you know it it just has a, it has a different feel and I, I was trying to think about why that is because really it's the same sort of thing that's going on that that nobody's so I mean you're saying that if the theme of the episode is to be question is to question information that you're fed and to not just Mm -hmm. accept it passively without question are we to be troubled by the fact that basically this is how rose is getting information from the doctor and then and then passing it on or or more more that she's passing it on to adam because because we know that i mean we we i think can assume at this point, that the doctor pretty much knows what he's talking about. In most and we've, yeah, sure. So we've gotten I mean, to know him well enough as a person that we have an understanding that there's character behind. Right. You know. he's, he's established a certain yeah. level of authority yeah. in, in his level of knowledge. Um, right. We can trust what he says. So, so I think, I think that's perfectly fine. You know, Rose is admitting she doesn't know what's going on, but then, she turns around and sort of feeds that information to Adam. So, but on the other hand, Adam doesn't question it at all. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, caveat emptor, like, yeah. you know, or caveat listener or whatever <laughs> it would be like, you know, you're the one getting the information. Uh, why are you not 
questioning any of this or even or and, and I'm not saying questioning like he should be questioning the veracity of the information, but questioning like, oh, well, how do you know that? Or like, what what is it about the sound that you hear that tells you that's a space station? Uh-huh. Because I'm curious about how I could identify such a thing in the future. Like, right. you, you know, he's just like, oh, wow, I'm going to faint now. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's not... So on the one hand, I mean, it's certainly not malicious. Like they're just sort of, you know, the doctors, once yeah. again, he's helping to cover up yeah. something for Rose and her relationships with boys. Like yeah. he's, he's kind of being a little deceptive, but playfully and, and yeah. not maliciously in any yeah. way. But I think it does sort of, I, I don't know. I, I was just, maybe, maybe that's the difference. Maybe it's the intent is is really the only difference that that it is between the two but i was just kind of thinking about that like what does that say about how we get information and how we question the information we get and and you know what are they trying to say with with rose's sort of deception and again playful and light and not harmful in any way but what does that say about her willingness to do that and and is there in character anything really different between that and the more nefarious information uh, sharing or making up of information that comes down right. from the top of the, of the space station. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think definitely at the very least we could say that you as the receiver of information have a responsibility to, um, to accept that information critically and, you know, and as responsibly. So, you know, maybe you don't know what's a, you know, trustworthy authority versus what's not a trustworthy authority, but you should, whatever you're told, you shouldn't necessarily accept it at face value without any critical thought yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. You know, so we may happen to, well, or, and, we may and, happen to just... know that the doctor is trustworthy as an authority yeah. figure, but Adam doesn't necessarily know that. Um, no. or that Rose knows what she's talking. I mean, clearly Please. Rose doesn't know what she's talking about. A- Adam stepped into that TARDIS for a pretty face. That's the only reason he's there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, which, well, and, but is he's, that the he's a, that... he's a strange character because he goes from fainting and not wanting to try the food and not wanting to, he just wants to sit on the observation deck and not, do anything and and being really a wimp about the whole thing to signing up for major brain surgery like pretty much in a matter of minutes and yeah <laughs> like and on the one hand that's a very extreme you know sort of character transformation on the other hand it is part and parcel of that whole he's really self-interested and so He's not interested mm-hmm. in learning about a new culture and everything. He's interested in how can I use this technology to benefit me? And he's yeah. and he's stupid enough and passive enough to get himself talked into something that is way over his head. Yeah. Well, and not just I don't know how passive he is cuz well, that's true. He 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 he's almost it's he's like prompting to be seduced into doing this well, kind right, of yeah. you know you know in a way he's like well I don't know if I should you know I, I have this me. money but it's not probably not enough maybe yeah. you should just take a look yeah. at it yeah 
Yeah. Oh, oh, infinite credit. That's what I have. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if I should spend 10,000 credits when I have infinite. To spend. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, you know, well, oh, painless. And yeah. Yeah. And it's so the whole. Oh, he is very and, narrow, narrow minded. And, it, and, it, and this is maybe a silly connection, but it, it made me think of Biff in Back to the Future Part 2. That this is someone who uses time travel, right? not so for the fun of it, but so he can go back and change time and, you know, win the, win, you know, the, the World Series gamble or whatever, you know, that, yeah. that, you know, that that's, he doesn't become active until he sees a personal motivation. Right. That right. maybe it's not until he sees and an advantage that then he suddenly kicks into gear and starts seeking out, you know, how can this benefit me? Right. And then it's no holds barred. Sure. Like literally and then it's, it's operate surgery, on my brain. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And it's interesting because I mean, of course, he's he's beaming this information back, I'm, you know, and 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 we're overlooking the technology of how much can a digital uh, voicemail, uh, you know, phone voicemail box okay. hold from, you know, like all of the information in humanity that's happened in the last 200,000 years or yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, the when he gets back, I mean, his own selfishness, obviously like he can't use that technology in our world at all. I mean, right. and what's he going to do? Reverse engineer his brain yeah. implant yeah. or what? Like, like I, and I love the way the episode ends with just the click yeah. and the look on oh. his mom's face that, Oh, and you just realize, you know, he in that moment must only then be realizing what he's gotten himself into. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, <laughs> that is a great moment. I won't deny it. So going back to Rose though, um, and you mentioned that moment in the elevator where the doctor says it's just us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, we're back to that. What, what is kind of their yeah. relationship again? What, what is, what's going on? And I mean, yeah, I mean, we don't get much more than that because obviously they go up and, and have to face the editor mm -hmm. and all of that. But, um, yeah, so, so you, you know, clearly she's still putting her feelers out, but they're, they're, it seems like they're slowly realizing that, that maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's not. There's more going on. <laughs> well, and, and I think she is putting feelers out, so I don't think she's necessarily. You know, again, we're still, it's an open-ended question, you know, what the doctor, what the doctor left unsaid when the Dalek made that, you know, statement about the woman you love, you know, so yeah. that's sort of out there, you know, in the open. Um, I don't know that, I mean, obviously, because Rose is bringing this kid Adam along, you know, she's not seeing the doctor and her as sort of in in in, in any sort of exclusive romantic relationship, right, right, obviously. Right. But it seems to be, to me, it seems to be reciprocal that oh, yeah. that the doctor says, you know, 
just you and me, good. And she says, good. She's perfectly, you know, that it, she's also realizing that Adam's not cut out for this either. And, and, you know, it's not like the doctor's yeah. kicking him out when she's asking to have him along. Like, she's on the same page as him and is realizing, like, you know, that we're a good team. And right. then we don't want anyone else around who's not going to jive with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and she lets him go off. Yeah. Adam, I mean. Yeah. She, she's like, okay, do you want me with you? No. Nope. Okay. Yeah, I'm going with uh, the doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this is why I'm this is here. Where the action <laughs> like, this is, is. Yeah. This is why I'm you know traveling with the doctors is to experience yeah. things with them, not to sit with you and mope in the observation deck. Yeah, yeah. Which of course he doesn't actually. Well, I mean, he does for a few moments, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um. So. Let's see. I guess, I mean, the, oh, I wanted to bring up Suki. So mm -hmm. she, the, the other thing here that I, so sort of the other, I mean, we talked about Kathika and, and of course Suki is sort of in contrast to her, of course, um, at first, you know, because we see Kathika as this kind of, uh, well, she wants a promotion, right? She's, she's, she's looking for that, uh, she was looking for that promotion to, to kind of build her career or whatever. And, and she's, she's a true believer. Whereas Suki is, is just sort of the meek, you know, I'll do what I can mm -hmm. and, and, and just do my job nice. And maybe someday something will happen, you know? And of course we find out that she's really the, the freedom fighter who's yeah. come here solely to find out what's going on. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I was thinking about that. Like on the one hand, like okay oh freedom fighter you know isn't that great like they 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 know they can kind of see through the noise but then we get this whole concept that she's been overwritten or implanted with other memories and 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 this stuff to actually get into the space station like she's not herself mm -hmm. she has she has different side of memory so i was trying to like i i, I was wondering about that and and are, do we really do we really get the idea that she knows what's going on any more than anyone else does? Right. Or, or is it that she's just like everyone else going along with what she's being told? And it just happens to be that she's being told something different than everyone else is. Right. Like, yeah. Like how much of what she actually does and her actions are, are self-motivated from a point of curiosity and a point of asking the types of questions that the doctor would value. And I'm not sure that we can say that, that they are the questions the doctor would value. Like it, sure. it almost, you know, they, the, the Simon Pegg's character there, you know, calls her a member of the freedom 15, whatever that is, you know, this uh -huh. mysterious freedom fighting group or, you know, that we're meant to believe. But, but again, it, it kind of goes back to that idea that just because you're a contrarian doesn't mean you're also not brainwashed. Like, yeah. you know, just because like, just because there is a conspiracy doesn't mean your particular conspiracy is the conspiracy that's going on or, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, there, there's, there's ideas there of like, it doesn't seem to me that she's in any more knowledgeable state than anyone else. She just, yeah. Well, the pendulum swinging reactively away from something can still be, you know, just as much of a sort of cult idea as the thing it's reacting to. Right. So, 
I, I found that aspect interesting because again, she doesn't, she doesn't really question and she doesn't, um, like she, she just, yeah, she just doesn't really question a whole lot. I mean, she, and, and you don't know, is that because she's implanted mm-hmm. slash brainwashed with these memories or does she really know what's going on? And if so, how, like how, how does someone like that get information that nobody else does and that's being suppressed from everyone else? Like that's right. Because she's not going around like the doctor and Rose are yeah. looking into things. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I, well, and we get and, such and, a small, I mean, it's one space station in the entire, mm-hmm. uh, what is it called? The the fourth great and bountiful human <laughs> empire. So, right, right. this is one little, I mean, well, now, it, it would seem to be the itself seat. has a very sort of dystopian state yeah. feel to oh, it. Like... <laughs> great and bountiful, yeah. Yeah, what kind of <laughs> yeah. underbelly is that hiding? <laughs> A very bountiful one. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, um, so, yeah. So, I mean, we don't really... We're given this kind of little peephole into the world. And, I mean, with that... With with Suki, you get a hint of what might be going on in the world at large outside of this sort of protected bubble. But it's just that teeny little hint. And, I mean, you're right. We don't know enough about it to really know what to do with it and to know, you know, what the Freedom 15 are about and how they get their information and what their, what, you know, what methods the ends might be justifying and everything, you know? Yeah, yeah. Is it, I mean, so if she kills this editor, does that necessarily mean that the information is suddenly going to be better? Right. Or is it just, is it just swapping out one ideology for another and one master for another so to speak yeah um yeah and and we don't know you're right i mean i don't they don't spend a lot of time on her character um but i think enough to sort of deconstruct it there we don't know in a way that like i think that supports your point that like it is kind of this idea of like limited information um you know that i think it's just meant to be this kind of little this isn't meant to be like kind of a a broad stroke picture of the the empire at large it's just no. this one little skewed you know image that we're given um right. and it and it is like you said i mean you used the word insular earlier it is very like self-contained and you really don't know what else might be going on in the empire you know outside yeah. of this little peak that we're given yeah um so in the last couple minutes that we have here uh on Doctor Who I guess um I don't know I actually we I think we hit most of the points the 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 only the only thing is I'll say um <laughs> well of course there's there was that what I for, I forgot I had written down this quote the, the, he goes I hate tidying up too many questions. So going going sort of yeah. against the whole idea, of, but but I yeah. think that goes along with the idea of it's sort of the mundane, you know, sorts of questions that he doesn't like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, and that that the doctor is all about the action of you know right. overturning, swoop in and overturn the government, and then leave the cleanup for somebody else. And now we're off to go yeah. overturn another government somewhere else. Not- 
not big with the bureaucracy no. or the, the red tape. And it's, um, and it's but, questions that would be questions about him, about who are you mm. and where did you come from and what gives you the right, all those kinds of angry questions of, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, uncomfortable for him because what's he going to say, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other thing that I just want to mention real quick too, is with Rose, um, since we do get more of her character, um, in addition to sort of all the contrast that we've been talking about with, with her and these other characters, we also get her really becoming more comfortable with her role as a companion and with her sort of ownership of, of that role and the things that go along with it. So we get in this episode, um, Obviously, the doctor's kind of teaching her stuff at the beginning and telling her stuff, which which I think we are meant to get the feeling, too, that she's not just and, – and maybe this goes back to even what we were talking about before. She's not just regurgitating right, it. Like right. she's actually getting the information he is actually and turning around her. and using yeah. it yeah. there. It's not like – it's not just being passed through her brain yeah. and she forgets it later. But I think the other thing – so one – I mean, she was given a TARDIS key a couple episodes ago mm-hmm. or, or whenever it was. She turns around and gives it to Adam. Right. So, like, that to me sort of implies that she clearly has become comfortable enough not to not only to feel like she's a guest there and has who has her own key, but that she, in a way, has control over the TARDIS right. now. Right. It's, and it's also hers that, to bequeath to other people. Yeah. yeah. It, she, right. Yeah. She can pass that title on to somebody else. Yeah. And... And so, and of course, you know, how he abuses his newfound access. Right. I mean, it's a little bit of a mistaken judgment, really, giving it to Adam. Yeah. Right, right. And, and, and that's, so that's, that's a question there of, okay, she's becoming more comfortable, but does she have the actual, is she responsible enough yet to really kind of have that? And, and does she, and does she even have, was that part of the permission that the doctor gave her right. was to pass it on? I mean, he's, I mean, already that this is the second person that she's invited to come with them. Mickey right. refused. Yeah. And then Adam didn't refuse, but this is the first time where she's the one not really asking the doctor's permission. Like yeah. it's mm-hmm. in both of those cases, the doctor had to agree. Yeah. In this case, the doctor doesn't yeah. necessarily have to agree. Right. And when he sees that Adam's got the key, he says, you and your boyfriends, <laughs> you <laughs> like yes. you, you, you always pick the idiots is what yeah. I got out of that. Um, and then the last thing I just want to mention was that she uses a sonic screwdriver. You're right. She does. Yeah. And, and so it becomes, you know, another aspect of, I, it feel it feels to me like it's another aspect of her role that she's becoming more comfortable with. And I don't, yeah. I mean, I have no, I have no idea if that's something the companions ever did in the past was to use his tools. But in this case, we see yeah. her taking some kind of ownership or possession of both the TARDIS and the screwdriver that yeah. she has that, that at least she hasn't up to this point yet. Yeah. And that he, I mean, we've seen him give her the key and that he also, you know, will let her use the screwdriver and right. try to show right. her how to use it. So, well, and that's a good point. I actually hadn't considered it from that angle. It's, 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 and I mean, there's maybe all sorts of metaphors we can talk about their relationship together here, but it's, yes, it's again, it's him being accepting and 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 sort of both of them becoming more comfortable with each other and sort of yeah. letting each other 
act in ways that, you know, maybe they wouldn't have been a few episodes ago. Yeah. <laughs> comfortable, uh, you know, a- anyway, don't want to make more than we should of that at this point, I suppose. But um, I did want to bring up at least those two uh, aspects, the TARDIS key and the um, screwdriver. Yeah. But we, we need to move on. Fantastic. Um, to Angel. To Angel. And and that's all you. You take it away. Angel, both the character and the title of the latest yes, episode. Indeed. So, Which, they may have something to do with each other. Yeah, they might. Well, actually, we have this as the second bullet point, but it's not a huge one. So I'm actually going to start with what we had at the second place and use that to transition <laughs> into the meat of the episode, which is all the character stuff. So this one... Um, didn't have as much of that monster of the week metaphor aspect. I, it has some of that, but not as much as the previous episodes. It's more of the character, the character development and the larger mythology, you know, yes. that we're given in this one. Um, right. But if there was one kind of, you know, episode specific motif, I guess, that I picked up on, it was um, this, uh, these continual references to history, um, mm. you know, which they kept sort of bringing up in the episode. So it starts with, um, you know, Giles giving Buffy some training, as we've seen him do before, but this was a specifically historical training. So um, he uses the medieval weaponry of uh, the crossbow and the quarter staff. Um, and uh, she has that really great line about I'm not going to be fighting Friar Tuck, and like <laughs> like what yes. yeah. basically like calling out for the audience the fact that why are we using medieval weaponry? When is this? What relevance <laughs> right. does this have other than right, it's right. historical? Um, and actually, I kind of <laughs> had to smile to myself that I thought I I, I started to refer to myself. Uh, or refer to the crossbow to myself as Chekhov's crossbow. Because if you see, I think if you see a crossbow hanging on a wall in Act 1, yeah. then darn it, we're going to use it by the end. Um, That's great. That's hilarious. <laughs> but you're right. That's exactly, oh, we can't train with the crossbow now. We might, Yeah. wait, maybe we should. We're going to need it well, we're, we're, yes. Obviously, we're no. going to need it. Um, but I think, I think the reason we do have the medieval stuff is, this sense of history that we're being given in the episode. And um, right. again, all the, it's history class that she's being tutored with and clearly struggling with in this episode. So, um, mm. you know, uh, uh, Willow tutors her in history. Darla pretends to tutor her in history. Um, they mention some, you know, well-known periods of warfare, like the civil war, the reconstruction, the war of independence, um, mm. And these are all military, you know, right, military right. exploits. So that's the type of history that she's studying and that she's struggling to come to terms with those things. Um, you know, maybe it's sort of parallel to her struggling to come to terms with the history that she's learning about, which is more relevant to her. Um, mm. And then Giles calls this out because they pretend that he's there to help with Buffy in history class in the hospital um, and right, uh, right. and Joyce wants to know what she's struggling with. Is it is it the material, or is she not applying herself? What's what's going on? Really would like to talk about what's going on with her daughter. And 
so Giles is trying to explain, and he says that uh, Buffy lives very in the now, and history is mostly about the then. And, you know, it's kind of <laughs> yes. like we're being prompted to think about uh, how Buffy is going to relate to Angel, who has mm. so much history, blood, yeah. bloody history behind him, and how yes. that's well, relevant to her in the 1990s, <laughs> you know. So... Uh, and on multiple levels, and um, uh, yeah, we, we 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 get the yeah the vampire bloody uh, you know evil history. We also get the relationship history. Yeah, sure. With Angel, yeah. <laughs> and Darla, yeah, and 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 the whole um, meeting meeting of the X scene yeah. <laughs> uh, that we get at the end there, where we, you know uh, Angel very clearly chooses Buffy over his former flame. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I think that's that's all great. The the history aspect is is definitely a big one, and 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 what you know, she's like, well, I I knew he was older, but yeah. you know, well, I, I mean, and again, this is another parallel between our two shows that, as as Rose would say, that's a hell of an age gap. Yeah, it is. It is one not quite as bad as as the nine hundred versus yeah. yeah, yeah, but but then again, Giles does. Uh, acknowledge that Angel is fairly young for a vampire, so sure. <laughs> um, you know it's it, it's still there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the, uh, I mean, that yeah, all but... I think is is texture. You know, not so much. Mm. You know, thematically more important is you know what we learn about the character stuff, and you know so much about Angel's backstory. Yeah. Well, and there's there's other hints at all of that too. I mean, just the very the master himself. I mean, he's been down where he is a long time, but we yeah. know from previous episodes that he's basically been around since the dawn of of mortal time. Anyway, uh-huh. um, and and there's also the the three who we're told are ancient ancient evil guys. You know that that uh, you know come and and could have been the monster of the week but they're really rather ineffective aren't they like turn out to not really be major players at all yeah and then they they sacrifice themselves out of shame so it's like all right well i guess that's that i mean you know this this so much for uh, the ancient you know (laughs) yeah yeah these are really bad dudes and yeah no they they're kind of anyway yeah um yeah, no, I think that's all great, and I think you're right. I think well, it's well, and that, meant it, to that be is a little bit of the face. red herring, right? Because <clears throat> they're, you know, the three, which are these particularly vicious vampires, that end up being, you know, ineffectual. So, who is the monster of the episode? Is it Angel? I mean, is it is it Darla? Is it like I think those lines start to become? They're you're meant yeah. to think of them at first as sort of the monster of the week. And then, really, your your attention should be focused elsewhere. Well, and so the idea, and of course, the big reveal, which we've already sort of alluded to, is that obviously Angel is the vampire. Right. You know, he is a vampire, and and you go back to that first meeting that we have between Angel and Buffy, where he says, "I never said I was your friend." Yeah, and of course, now we we know that he's been obsessing with her yeah. a bit you know and and finding out that you know he, he kind of has this sweet attitude but you know 
I think one of the things, and, and you can tell me um, what you think of this or not, but I think one of the things that maybe we're meant to think about is at least before we get to that ending, uh, you know, showdown between Darla and, and Buffy and Angel all in the same room there. Like, I think one of the things we're meant to wonder is, can we really trust Angel? Is, is you know, maybe is that word going to come back? in an appropriate turn of phrase to bite Buffy. Yeah. You know, is it, is it, you know, is it something where we're going to find out, you know what, maybe, maybe Angel really isn't her friend, even though we kind of like him. And, and we know Buffy is sort of feeling the same way that Angel is at this point. Yeah. Because in the last episode, she was still wearing his coat. Yeah. Now she's still wearing his coat. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, well, even this isn't something. I mean, you... she's the vampire slayer, right? So this is her yes, job. Yes, of course. But but even even finding out that he's a vampire doesn't turn her against him. It's not until no. she thinks that he attacks her mom that right. she really changes oh, her mind. Um. <sighs> yeah. So. So, yeah. Even even learning that he's you know an enemy doesn't you know that alone isn't enough to make her i mean it gives her pause and that it was information she didn't have before and she's not sure what to do with it but she doesn't really show any real inclination towards feeling differently about him she's still pretty inclined to trust him until she sees what she thinks is you know physical evidence that he's you know one of them I guess. Yeah. Well, and, and so, you know, we've, and we've been talking all along about the different metaphorical levels that these episodes have taken. I mean, I think, I, I don't think this one is as clear um, yeah. as, as some of the last ones have been, but I think if we look at it as that, you know, Oh, there's this guy I really like, and then you find out he has a past. Sure. You yeah. know what I mean? Like He's this different quite literally than all going, the others. Oh, wait a minute. Going, going <laughs> along with, yeah, yeah, but but I mean he's he's done some bad stuff. Yeah, you know I mean he's he's killed people. He's killed lots of people, and and yeah, and yet like you say, Buffy is not inclined and very hesitant to kill him. Even when she goes deliberately to kill him, she turns the crossbow just enough to the side to mess him. Yeah, and and so I mean you know. I think we can read into that, but I think, I think more interesting is, is yeah, the character stuff, like you're saying. So there's, I, I guess if we can talk about Angel's character yeah. a little bit more here. So one, just wanted to point out um, Angel. So they say, oh, he's, he's, they, he's called Angel or, or Angelus, the sort of Anglicanized uh, Latin name there. The, the man with the angelic face. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, angel comes from the Greek word, um, angelos, which means messenger, mm-hmm. which is pretty much all we've seen of him so far. What he's so been far. doing, yeah. He's, he's, I mean, we know kind of because of fork guy <laughs> that he has had some scrapes yeah. in the past, but um, that's well, a, that was intended. a big scrape. <laughs> yeah, I actually didn't. I mean, I meant more like, he did get himself into a scrape, yeah. but yes, the, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's been completely an information 
pass her along or to go yeah. along with the Doctor Who episode all about information and, and getting stuff. But, and, but his information and, has been good. Well, at, but also to go along with that, you know, it's it's information. So we need to be critical of it and we need to, you know, right. watch where we're getting our information from and, you know, not just take that blindly. Right, right. And I and and that's part of Buffy living in the now. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's a Giles's point. She's well, and, and none of them, you know, there, there's the great line where Giles says, were you the one who's been here since 6 a.m. studying or, or whatever the time frame, you know, are you the one who's been doing all the research, uh, you know, in order to find out what's going on here? Yeah. And, and no, none of them are, none of the, uh, students there are anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely some work to be done there, but anyway, just wanted to point that out. I don't know that there's a lot to do with that, but there's, there's maybe a little connection there with, with, um, we're getting more information about Angel clearly, and and we're finding out no, actually he's a little bit more than just a messenger. He he actually is involved yeah. in some of this stuff, and and we don't really know why yet, but but we do know that he does seem to have changed because uh, we get from the master that that he was the angel was one of the top dogs. Yeah, you know he was he, or top vampires or whatever you want to call it. Right. Them. Um, well, we do know and, why, right? Because we get this backstory about what happened um, to him with the gypsies. Right. Yes, we do. Well, okay. Yes, we get that. But we also get the struggle that he has when he's holding Joyce and seeing mm-hmm. the blood. And, and while we know that he has a soul it's not necessarily entirely clear that simply having a soul makes him a good person, no. a good vampire no, yeah. at all. And so, so there no, is, all, a, it doesn't change it. My interpretation of it at this point is that it doesn't change his basic sort of impulse and desire. It no. all, all it does is give him guilt. <laughs> so it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't, immediately you know if we can use sort of like an addiction metaphor it doesn't cure the addiction but it but it makes him self-critical and self-aware of what he's doing so he still has the desire to do it but now he feels bad about it after he's done it yeah and 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 concerned about the consequences yeah of what he could do even before he does it well and, um, and i and like i would imagine that maybe that's something that after living with it for a hundred years, you learn, you, he somehow has learned to have some self-control because of this conscience that's been sort of put back into him. Because he seems to have some level of self-control. Um, however, yeah, well, however yeah, clear, I mean, precarious clearly, it yes. might be, I mean, he, he, can stop, he can physically stop himself. He is capable right. of that. Oh yeah, and and he has along with the soul, so to, he has a will of some yeah. type. Yeah, I mean it's it's and and I mean maybe the two are interchangeable. I don't know. I mean at this point it's just you know we know that he doesn't you know he didn't bite Joyce and he yeah. didn't take any more of what Darla started. So yeah, and he so um, but but it's a struggle, and he and we seems know to be living off of bagged 
blood in a fridge or if not entirely living at least trying to you know yeah maybe stealing it from a hospital and then stocking his fridge so that he doesn't have to go out and we we don't know any specifics yet but (laughs) i mean that wouldn't be a totally aberrant idea yeah um so yeah we we uh so we do see so so I guess my point was yeah that that even though he has a soul it's not a shoe in that he's a good guy or that he's whatever and I think that's those are sort of all the hints that were kind of given right up until the end where where he very clearly does say well not say but you know through his actions show that he's you know choosing Buffy and he is on her side and whatever but it's it's not easy and it's a struggle and it's 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 something that um we can see the shifting perceptions that Buffy has of him throughout the episode. Yeah. Um, from the very, and, and I think this goes along with the history aspect with the man with the past sort of metaphor, um, for it, you know, there's, there's the back and forth with her too, of, of going from the sort of dreamy, you know, puppy dog eyes to, the understanding of um like oh my gosh wow this is actually what i've always all my life been warned about you know yeah. not to be you know with a guy who's basically a predator and right. and whatever or or who has been in the past and and that um and then the idea of can right. can people and that's actually what, change that's what makes it even harder because you know to find out someone you're dating is a predator that makes it an easy decision. Well, you know, didn't know that, needed to know that. That's that's cause for, <laughs> you know, yeah. cutting off. Now, what do you do though if you find out that someone used to be a predator and they say they're not anymore? And that's a much more complicated. And I mean predator in the sense of, I mean, that could be someone like with a felony or like, you know, like that could be a very yeah. realistic thing as well as a vampire yeah. predator, well, you know, that do people have free will? Can they change? Can they, yeah. you know, overcome their, and basic you know, what if, instincts what if or, you're with someone desires? who you found out, you know, did have a history of assault or had a history of something that they say is, you know, maybe they say that was 20 years ago and I'm a changed person. Yeah. And that makes and, it a much more difficult decision. And that they were hiding it. Yeah. Not not being forthcoming about it, which, you know, could be an understandable thing. And that you find out in a moment of passion. Yeah. You know, that that this is what they're like. Yeah. Or what or whatever. Or or that this past is part of um who they are. Yeah. And so yeah, no, I mean that's that's definitely all part of it, I think. Um And that for him, how closely those two like how closely his feelings for Buffy are related to his sort of vampire nature that he yeah. both kind of wants to kiss her and also wants to bite her pretty kind of equally at the same time. And, and it's being with her that brings out that transformation. So it seems that even strong romantic emotions seem to have like a physical trigger on the vampire side. Well, and I think, you know, I mean, I think that's part of just generally, not not necessarily speaking specifically about Buffy, but in vampire 
lore in general. I mean, there Those, there is yeah. a very sexual yeah. aspect yeah. to it. I mean, there's definitely um, yep. yeah, yes. So just on on sort of going more on the whole metaphor thing, then you you also have the you, you know you have Darla coming in and which is you know someone from your past trying to get you to you know it's it's the oh come on just one hit won't hurt you yeah. you know or one drink won't hurt Dragging you if you're him an alcoholic back down. Side, so to yeah. speak like yeah. going back to the addiction metaphor yeah. you know it's yeah it's trying to escape your past while you know it's it you have to do both you have to escape your past to move forward and if you can't do one you can't do the other yeah. like you know it's not he's sort of been i guess maybe standing in this middle ground up until now yeah. or at least that's what i think we're kind of yeah. led to believe yeah. and and it really does have to come down to a choice yeah. um at this point um yeah he's been i mean he is this sort of liminal character who's neither human nor 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 neither fully human nor fully vampire yeah um, well and and the whole you know you live above ground like one of them, yeah. you know, like, uh-huh. like, you know, is he posing? Is he just posing? And, and, and is Darla right that he can't ultimately escape uh, his true nature, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, but what is his true nature? He, you know, he, I, he's exactly right when he says, I'm not exactly like one of you either. Yeah. You know, is, is there maybe a middle ground or can it only be, or is it only binary? Can it only be one or the other? Yeah. And his true nature originally was human. It's the vampire, which is the added layer. You know, I mean, she acts as if this is your natural state, but no, she made him that, you know, that's not how he started out. So maybe he is fighting these, vampire impulses but he has human impulses which are even more natural to him and go even deeper yeah yeah no i mean he's he's a human physically Mm -hmm. and now he has his soul back Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you're right it's the vampire part of him that that is alien so to speak in in this combined thing um but but then again he doesn't even believe that. He says, um, I can walk like a man, but I'm not one. Mm-hmm. You know, it, so it's, you know, again, it's, it's, it's not something that he's clear on. It's not, I, and I don't think it's something that we're necessarily meant to have a definitive answer, at least not at this point, that, you know, we can decide uh, one way or the other. But I think that's all part of who he is. Um So, I, and anything else on Angel? Because I mean, that's—I mean, he's obviously the big part of the episode, considering it's named for him. Um, um, well, any other observations you wanted to bring up? Just two more things, really quick. Um, I mean, we touched on the fact that, according to the master, he's—he was like the most brutal vampire, you know, of them all, is what the master says. Like he was, you know, the most the most violent and was going to be his right hand and everything. So, I mean, and as kind of an illustration of that, we're given this idea that, you know, not only was he, you know, out there slaughtering all these people, but even his own friends and family. Um, So just, you know, that we're given these hints of the amount of like the burden that he must carry once 
his soul is restored to him and he has this self-awareness of what he's done um mm-hmm. so i think that's just an important thing i think i suspect yeah. i suspect that that'll be something that it'll be good to remember you know as as kind of helping that us. angel was his right hand um kind of thing no i think just 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 these and i don't know how much more if any we ever get to know about the particulars of his experience but just right you know i just thought that was it wasn't just that you know oh i've been a vampire and now i realize that that's wrong or so it's it's that he's actually <laughs> you know actually actively you know destroyed his own loved ones um mm. So yeah. I just feel like for the character, that's a really important thing for us to know. Um, and then the other thing I kind of thought was that it's interesting that by the end, you know, once they come full circle and and Buffy realizes that he is going to choose her and he is trustworthy, um, they each of them kind of submit to the other um, and give each other the opportunity to kill them. That I mean... On Angel's point, he even seems to want it. You know, there's a little bit of a death wish there of... of put me out of my misery. Put, yeah. Just do it, you know, that I'll be better off. I don't think Buffy has that same sort of um, death, with, death wish that he does, but she gives him... She reciprocates and says, you know, do you want to do what you really want to do? And both yeah. of them hold back and restrain themselves. So, you know, they've kind of reached this new level of trust where they're literally putting their lives in each other's hands and giving each other the opportunity, you know, to, to end it. And neither of them takes the chance. So, um, I just thought sort of, that's kind of an interesting note to leave the characters on that by the end of the episode, that's sort of the place that they've arrived at is, you know, she's kind of saying, see around, and it's a little bit of a question. Neither of them are really sure um, what the answer to that question is. You know, they kind of, neither of them really seems to feel that this can possibly work. But <laughs> also, neither of them yeah. can go. Neither of them is capable of walking away from it either. So I think the one thing that they are, seem to be, that they do seem to be sure about is this level of trust that they have um and that you know they literally trust each other with their lives so and that they didn't get there without risk yeah yeah i mean there's there's a huge risk factor clearly yeah no i think that's that's all great yeah i mean um any more points for you or no no i was just gonna say i'd like to talk about darla too a bit yeah um because, you know, I mean, we learn here, you know, I mean, we we really didn't get a whole lot about Darla before. And, right. and you know, I mean, she was just kind of one of the vampires in the Master's Cadre. And we'd seen her, what, like two of the episodes so far, but nothing yeah. huge. Um, yeah, I guess. Have we seen her even since the pilot, really? Since that first? I, I want to say we saw her maybe, maybe once one before, other time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I mean, not much. Yeah. You're right. And, and. Clearly, she gets dusted uh, she gets dust- in this episode. And, so. I mean, she's kind of the last vampire that we really know, other than the Master and Angel, really. Like, I feel like they're getting knocked off pretty quickly. 
all the ones, well, Colin and Luke and all the ones who have names are pretty much taken care of at this point. Yeah. I don't know how many more named Get names. I mean, we'll, cl- clearly we'll have some named vampires after this, but yeah. Um, yeah, they tend to like only the, the, the really important ones the, get named. The named red shirt vampires okay. are not. Okay. <laughs> are, are, I think are mostly done with it. Okay, point. we're done with. Uh, although I wouldn't call Darla a red shirt, given what we know about her. But, no, but like Colin um, and Luke, she has more personality. I think, yeah, Colin and, and Luke. Yeah. I couldn't have told you their names before I rewatched that. <laughs> I episode, just think they're so funny the that I remember um, them. Yeah, but the <laughs> the so two things there. One, um, we get this almost. Well, I mean, it's a very subservient um, attitude towards the master, which kind of, I suppose, makes sense in a way. But like, like she she is very much I want to please daddy kind of feel to this. So um, I just wanted to kind of point that out. But two, um, sort of in contrast of of the master's comments about Angel, you know, about him being the most vicious and would have been his right hand. um, He calls Darla. Her, his favorite he says for 400 years she was my favorite mm-hmm. so it's, i i found that interesting so you've got you've got the the sort of uh, the one who will be my heir so to speak but the one that i really truly like yeah. you know on the other hand in darla so um i you know i don't know if we can make a whole lot out of that but just you know definitely these were two of of his um you, you know top uh, uh, vampires here that that you know we're, we're meant to see some import which which I, is I, not gonna out. put angel in his good graces that he's not no, only clear. refusing you know his place at his side but he just took care of his favorite right right so um but i think it does put another spin on on darla because I mean, she hasn't really been in that role of of a top vampire here, so to speak. And and so, you know, I don't know if there's something we're meant to think about. Like, has she, like, she was his favorite, but had she fallen too? Like, maybe when Angel went wrong or went right, <laughs> whatever right. the appropriate way is there. But, like, you know, she's clearly trying to get back into or trying to... Um, Right, she's do, very do something to prove that will herself. please the mass. Yeah. Right, right. So, so we're getting that whole feel with it. Um, wanted to point out a little Easter egg here. Uh, Darla says, uh, "Remember Budapest, turn of the century. You were such a bad boy during the earthquake." Uh, Budapest seems to be a running joke in Joss Whedon's world. Oh, really? Uh, there, there's, there's a line in the Avengers where Hawkeye says, uh, "You and I remember Budapest very differently." To uh, uh, oh, what uh, Scarlett Johansson's oh, character there? She, uh, um, Black Widow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 she's she's like, "Oh, remember Budapest? Uh, you, you and I remember Budapest." Seems seems to be whenever something vaguely horrific yeah. went bad it happens it in happened budapest. in budapest yeah um so anyway little little easter egg sort That's of thing funny. there um or proto easter egg i guess because this happened obviously before the avengers but um but yeah so we also get a sense of darla's deviousness obviously in this episode too with the whole schoolgirl. um oh i'm buffy's friend will you let me in your home yeah um mm-hmm. You know, will you invite Which me? Which is in? a nice, that, a nice use of traditional vampire 
folklore yes. that you have to invite them in. <laughs> yes. And, and yeah, well, yeah. And we get the, the scene and, and of course it's Angel who partakes yeah. or, or partakes, um, man, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, uh, uh, imparts this wins- wisdom on Buffy. Um, yeah. and she's kind of like, Oh yeah, well I heard that before. I wasn't sure how true it was, yeah. you know? Um, and it's interesting. And of course, sort of they skirt the issue by Buffy calling as they're running up the stairs and opening the door. She's like, come on, let's go inside away from these vampires to yeah. Angel yeah. Um, to kind of get rid of, uh, to, or, or to allow him to enter the, the house there. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so Darla, you know, in her deviousness, like it's interesting because like we get the sense that, you know, Angel obviously was vicious or whatever, but, but Darla's the sweet, innocent, vicious one. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she, you, you know, she's the schoolgirl. She's the, you know, the middle class sort of one you would never expect could do anything bad. Girl but next then, door kind of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and just has that, um, which, which I think we may be meant to take as even being more, horrific in a way yeah. like a- angel the idea is that now he's struggling and but but at least based on the implication of how he was like he didn't used to have any sort of conflict like he was evil he knew he was evil and he went out and did evil yeah <laughs> you know like that was the way he was whereas whereas darla's sort of sweet um and 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 understated mm-hmm. uh uh viciousness sort of almost works out to be more vicious and more evil in in one way so right because it's more um, of a costume and more of an act that doesn't he say like she used to wear kimonos or something like it's almost like yeah it's like she gets bored after a while and has to sort of reinvent her own character which implies that it's a role that she's playing you know that it's not even the out of control viciousness it's something that is more deliberate and again, like Angel, that's back to that idea of appearances being deceiving. Yeah. Yeah, and deception plays a role here. Mm-hmm. Um, we get... So, all right. I, well, we've got a few minutes left. Um, and I don't... I'm not going to have time to talk about everything I want to talk about. <laughs> I, w- I wanted to bring up my running levels of knowledge yeah. sort of thesis. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to try to run through this real quick. We, we get on the deception level. Buffy lies to Joyce, her mother, at least three times. Just <laughs> like outright in this episode. Okay. Po- possibly more than that. Yeah. Um, but she lies. At the very least. Yeah. She, she, well, maybe not directly to her, but she, she lies one about angel uh-huh. um who he who is, is and what he's doing there and and, and ironically that he goes home. before she <laughs> well yes so he lies about who she is and it's not a well i mean it's yes definitely deceptive um she she lies when he does that and uh, she lies when she calls 911 yeah and says that her mother cut herself yeah and then she lies um through omission more than a direct lie when when joyce believes that she was impaled by yeah. a barbecue fork <laughs> buffy just kind of allows her to continue believing that. yeah yeah yeah. so um you know talk about deception yeah uh 
and and of course that's i think meant to be compared with the deception of darla in 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 the one hand um and and even angel's own deception about who he is mm-hmm. um <clears throat> there's there's just a lot of different deception going on here and and i think that's in in this um episode i think you know part of what we're meant to see is that that some of this deception just ends up hurting everything because it's it's buffy's own um deception to her mother that that ends up you know the fact that joyce doesn't know anything about the world that buffy lives in right is what ends up the ignorance you know, puts her getting in danger her yeah 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 and and so um yeah i think that that that's all part of it. Um, yeah, but and, then and just the whole. But then you also have to wonder, you know, to what extent Joyce is even capable of understanding any of that because she gets attacked and bitten right. by a vampire and does not remember it afterwards. So, but that's I mean, and and that happens with trauma. I mean, sure. or can happen. Okay, <laughs> I guess. Okay, but no, I know what you're saying, and and I think um, you know we get the the sort of the the, the pseudo medical uh, explanation from Giles right, that it looks you know, like vampire anemia, attacks yeah. do do sort of present themselves like anemia. Yeah. Um, so you, you know that could happen, but you're right. No, I think we'll find over time, and and even you know to this point, we don't know that many people who have been attacked by vampires and haven't died. Right. Right. Um, so you know that's something that maybe we can keep an eye on is this a recurring theme that people just forget about this kind of stuff or do or is it willful or subconscious or you know like what's going on there right. is there is there something or some is it, or, is there or, self-deception or a magical or element or is there a magical element yeah yeah so so but i mean i think that plays into the whole levels of knowledge thing that that you're right i mean she's outright attacked and doesn't remember it yeah um and buffy doesn't disabuse her, her of that notion. explanation yeah. yeah yeah um yeah <clears throat> so and then and then um but then you, you know the more humorous aspect of of, of these different levels too is buffy's diary (laughs) where she 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 thinks that angel read it and in her own fright to keep things secret uh, reveals um and and willow so generously points out the irony of that particular situation um but then of course the what willow's pointing out is that you know they were having feelings buffy and angel we're having similar feelings towards each other anyway. And so you have to ask the question in all of this deception and, and um, trying to protect people from knowing more than is good for them per se, you know, are you doing more, more harm? harm and, than good, and, yeah. and, and, and the implication seems to be that if you wouldn't keep stuff from each other, that maybe things could be a little bit better. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's too early to, to make that judgment, but, but at least based on some of that stuff that happens, you know, the lies that lead to Joyce's yeah, yeah. or the, or that perpetuate Joyce's ignorance and lead to her attack, getting attacked. And, and then the more humorous diary incident where, you know, yeah. Yeah. Mutual admiration the liars is, is aren't revealed. Really prospering in this story. No. Um, 
The other one, um, which I thought was funny, which I fit in with that theme too, is Cordelia, where there's that moment where <laughs> Xander blurts out that, you know, something yes. about you, you have a vampire, you crush yeah. on a vampire. And she goes, what? And then he tries to cover it up. And then you realize that she's not even listening to them. She's, she doesn't care. She doesn't care. She's not even listening. She's worried about the girl with the knockoff uh, dress. And, you know, yep. and this is what you happen with, what happens when you sign free trade agreements and everything. And it's totally like in her own world. And oh yeah, there's that great moment where Buffy, they kind of all stop and it puts that in perspective. And Buffy says, I think that we have problems. So right, again, right. realizing that ignorance is not to be envied that, okay, we do have problems. Things are dangerous, but aren't we glad that we actually know what's going on? At least we're not like that. Um, and I think that supports that idea that, yeah, maybe knowing can bring about a certain amount of danger, but not as much as when you have absolutely no idea. And it's better yeah. to be informed and aware and critical. Uh, uh, that's, yep. again, very similar to what Doctor Who was about this week, too. Yeah, I know. Man, it just keeps coming around like that, doesn't it? <laughs> it's very true. Um yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got like one minute left here. Okay. I want to talk. We we should at least mention Xander and Willow. Uh-huh. So, and, so Willow and, is showing this romantic side, which I think is a trip. That pretty yeah. much all she does in this episode is get distracted by the boy talk. <laughs> like at least two or three times she either has to apologize or to be told to like get back on track. She ends up completely abandoning their history lesson to talk about Angel. So that seems she, she's got boys on the brain lately. Yes. Well, and a particular boy. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> on the but, brain. but not, she's happy to talk about anytime Angel's well, brought up. She's totally. Vi- vicariously, yeah. yes, yeah. because, you know, she's not getting right. any. But um, the, the, yeah, and talk about levels of knowledge. Xander's completely oblivious to yeah. her uh, yeah, it's true. Uh, desire for him. So, um, because he is totally hooked on Buffy yeah. still. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, he's very, <laughs> sits down very... to, to, to give her some very objective yeah, sound advice objective about advice. how about how he should she should kill uh the the man who is vying for her attention yeah and and taking it away from Zander yeah very cool himself. and rational and yes yes let's let's but you know and of course the truth is actually that's actually very good advice as, even if we don't believe for a second that it's objective at all as we find when giles agrees i mean yeah. you're kind of waiting yes, for giles to reason. tell him off yeah. and then you realize actually Giles pretty much agrees with him um, and says that he has no better nature and there's no, there is no better nature to appeal to. Hmm. So better to take care of it. Um, But yeah, obviously I think (laughs) Xander's motivation is not altruistic. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Um, So anyway, there, and, and, there's so much more we could talk about here, but I think that's that's a great point to end on. And that was that was one of the the things I had under sort of the mythological discussion is the whole idea that vampires aren't 
people. Yeah. <laughs> um, that Giles says, you know, uh, it may have the movements, the memories, even the personality of the person who took over, but it's still a demon at the core. There is no halfway, and that's that's the question. That's the paradox that I think of we need the angel. To be, yeah. To be asking about angel is is there a halfway, or is it is it all is that a deception? Is his having a soul a deception to make him simply appear human and is there you know is it can he truly change his nature mm-hmm. and what is that nature is is his nature human or is it vampire and and is it binary <laughs> you know is there something in between the two of those things that can happen so i think that's that's kind of where we're meant to be at this point with our knowledge about angel yeah so um and bullets can't kill vampires. Good to know. That's, that's we why are. we have the crossbow. That's, that's why we have the crossbow. Chekhov's crossbow. Chekhov's crossbow. <laughs> um, anyway. Okay. Well, good stuff. Man. I, I like that in both of these uh, shows. We're really starting to get into these characters. We talked yeah. a little bit last week about how the episodes last week were the darker ones. Mm-hmm. These are the... You know, if we got the darkness and and got to see a little bit more view of that side, I mean, clearly we see some darkness here now in Angel, um, as opposed to Buffy, and and we we got to see a little more information about Rose. So we're 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 getting not into just the the eponymous characters; we're getting into the ones who, you know, are going to be it seems their companions and, and seeing the parallels kind of between these and, and the interest building and, and the, you know, the fact that there's episodes focusing solely on their characters seems significant at this point in each of the seasons. So, you know, once again, lots of great parallels, lots of great stuff to think about. Um, yeah, but alas, we must adjourn for the evening and, uh, Sign off. We'll come back next week. Till another week. Yes, indeed. So thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed it, and we look forward to hearing more from... No, we're going to be from each talking. other. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're going to be talking to each other, so I don't know where I was going with that. I guess well, I Well, no, we can now that we're, as of, uh, what is it, Thursday? So as of three, four days ago, we are live. Uh, we are live, yes. So we record these... We're we're probably about a month and a half ahead of where of where we're going to be posting this, but um, yeah, give us feedback. Tell us what we're doing. Yeah, so we do want to hear like. from other people and and, and ask ask questions, leave comments. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on WordPress. Yeah. So, which you probably hopefully know already because you're listening to us. But if you didn't, just find us, Cat and Kurt's TV Review. All right. Have a good night. See you next time.